You're about to listen to another Bonversation. If you like this episode, you can find more at johnlebon.com. Bonversations feature the most interesting and insightful people in the act realm and beyond. Every episode is made possible by people like you who value and support independent media. Now here's your host, JLB. It wasn't a tent, it was this magnificent thing. Yes, Bonversations number 32, and we have a very special guest today. When I first heard this lady on a podcast back in 2016... The things that she was revealing led to a chain reaction that would change the rest of my life. And that sounds dramatic, but by the end of this first hour, you're going to hear enough information and ideas that will lead you to realize why this had such a profound effect on me, and it might have a profound effect on you as well. Our guest today is Janice Barcelo from birthofanewearth.com. She's published a couple of books, one of them in 2014, one in 2019. The first was about the medical industry and its effects on children in general. The second was specific to do with ultrasound. So we've got a lot to talk about today, but without further ado, Janice Barcelo, it is a pleasure to finally get a chance to speak with you. First of all, thank you for the work that you've done. Back in 2016, your work did change the course of the rest of my life. That's no exaggeration, so a big thank you to you for the work that you've done and for joining us today on Bombersations. Thank you, John, for your appreciation of my work and for inviting me to have this discussion. I, um, the work that I do, let's just give a warning what I say today can be really triggering for people, especially people who are born in hospitals or who have had children in hospitals and um, who have exposed their children to ultrasound, believing that the technology was safe. Um, the technology is not safe, and we're going to go into that topic today, um, and it is part of the reason that we have such a severe autism epidemic, and we need to get on this very quickly um, if we hope to have a future <laughs> for our children. So um, I'm really happy to have the opportunity to, to share this. Well, I'm glad that you joined us. So when I first heard you, it was back in 2016 on a podcast called Renegade Broadcasting. And you made three appearances mm -hmm. in 2016. It was the first one that I remember very well. I even remember what I was doing. I was walking home from a friend's house. And I tend to listen to podcasts when I'm about walking, going to friends' houses or going to buy some groceries or just going for a walk in the sun, whatever it is. And I was walking home one night and I was listening to you talk with a guy called Charles Giuliani from Renegade Broadcasting. And you were talking about the effects of the medical industry, specifically to do with hospitals, the, the hospital birth system on children. And you were saying things that I'd never heard of or thought of before. And by this stage, I'd been doing independent research and content creation for a couple of years. So I thought I had a pretty good idea of what was going on. And there were things that you were talking about that I honestly had never heard of. For example, until I heard you speaking with Charles, I did not realize that induced labor is not some kind of analog to natural labor. I was just under the impression that if they induce labor, they're just making the, the mother's body do what it would have done anyhow. Whereas you explained that's not the case at all. And so I'm, I'm walking home and I'm listening to this stuff and I'm thinking... If, this, if what this lady is saying is true, why haven't I heard of this before? So, And that was just one of the topics you brought up. So I got home and I was like, it was already late at night by this stage, but I was like, I've got to double check some of the things that you were saying. And it turned out that even according to the official story, what you were saying was true. And I found myself thinking, how did I not know this before? So yeah, like you said, warning for the listeners, there's going to be stuff in here that you might not have heard before, but 
This is all backed up by the evidence. In fact, in your book, the second one to do with ultrasound, you have more than a thousand references to scientific papers, to mainstream articles. Yeah, you have this incredible number of references, which I've been spending some time double-checking. They check out. Mm -hmm. This is not some wacko, loony, make-believe, clickbait. Like, this is legitimate. And yet, the average parent listening to this right now probably was not told by their ultrasound operator or by their doctor or their gynecologist or by any of these people any of the stuff that we're about to talk about. Correct. There's a massive cover-up going on about all of this, and that's why I've been so heavily censored. Obviously, they don't want people to know that what they're doing is harming the children. But most anybody with any level of awareness is, is conscious of the fact that the children are damaged. We have one in six children in the United States with a developmental disability. That's not normal. We have one in, I think it's one in 32 now, children who are autistic. In California, it's one in 22 who are autistic and boys, you know, are four times more likely to be autistic than girls. Something is very wrong with the children. And I'm going to suggest that this has been a deliberate assault on our children by the medical establishment not because doctors are evil or the nurses are evil, although some of them really are, but because the people who control the medical establishment are evil. And they have evil intentions and they understand how to cause harm to us at the earliest stage of our life. And they do this in order to create people who will comply with their dictates, with their whims. It's a very deep, deep topic of birth trauma, what parents are going through as they're trying to give birth to their children, what the babies are going through. I mean, we're making a a huge mistake in handing our bodies over to the medical establishment when we become pregnant. It's a really big mistake because prenatal care is harming the children. And not only the children... You know, the mothers are in there getting their ultrasound, right? And all of their eggs are being irradiated. Every single one of their eggs is being irradiated by the ultrasonic radiation. The medical establishment has lied and said, oh, it's just sound waves. Well, it's more than that. This is is called non-ionizing radiation. And it has very serious effects and can cause very serious damage, which it is doing. And it has been doing for decades. So we need to understand the facts. Technological birth is, I'm going to say it's an intrusion into the divine order. And it has turned what is divine and beautiful on its head. It's turned the whole birth process into a nightmare of filled with pain and trauma and damaged children. We have to put the kibosh on this now. Are you there with me, John? I'm with you. So your first book you published in 2014 is called Birth Trauma and the Dark Side of Modern Medicine. And then in 2019, you published The Dark Side of Prenatal Ultrasound. Let's get straight into that yeah. second one then. So your first book looked at a whole range of topics that we'll look at later on in this call. But your second book was focused specifically on ultrasound. Can I ask you, 
Why did you decide to focus on ultrasound specifically? Actually, John, when I was writing my first book, I was thinking I'm going to write a chapter on prenatal care because I knew what they're doing during prenatal life was harmful, and I knew that ultrasound had issues. So I started to research the ultrasound part, and I realized, oh, my God, I've jumped up, you know, I've jumped into this rabbit hole that has no bottom in terms of the damage this technology is doing. And I'm going to have to write a separate book just on the topic of ultrasound. And in fact, that's part one. Part one is it's basically 300 pages of texts and 200 pages of citations, almost 2,000 citations at this date because it's been the second edition of that book has come out. Part two is going to contain the information about the ultrasound autism link, the link to the hearing damage that children are experiencing, and um, leukemia, the fact that children, blood cancers are becoming so common in young children. So I felt like if I put all of that in one book, it's going to be a thousand pages. <laughs> and I really didn't want to do that because I, I know I know people are not likely to read it. So I decided to split the book into two parts, and I haven't finished writing part two. But let me say this. I am doing a webinar um, in June 20th on the topic of the hidden causes of autism. And I'm going to go through very specifically some of the things that ultrasound is doing and some of the things that the other protocols of hospital birth are doing to basically ensure that our children are um, irrevocably harmed. That includes things like circumcision. That includes cord clamping. It includes the use of pitocin as a way to block natural oxytocin. There's a number of things that they are doing that needs to be addressed. And in fact, you know, somebody wrote me yesterday and said, we need to we need to do a list and say if you want to ensure your child has autism, do this, 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 and this, you know, and you start with you start with going to NOB as soon as you get pregnant and let them expose your baby to ultrasound right away, right? At the earliest stages of pregnancy. When you're, you know, the baby the baby's building its body and it's going through this process of cell division and if there's genetic damage from the radiation which there almost always is those radiation damaged cells are going to replicate and cause all kinds of issues in the children so let me say this without being sarcastic we do not not want to expose a developing baby to ultrasonic radiation or wireless radiation because radiation is causing genetic damage, fertility damage, brain damage, all kinds of issues that we don't want our children to suffer. So the last thing you want to do is expose a developing baby early in pregnancy because that is the most sensitive time and vulnerable time and the easiest time for genetic damage to occur. Well, in your book, Dealing with Prenatal Ultrasound, you go through a whole number of reasons why this is not a good idea for the baby, and you list all of your citations to scientific studies and other sources that verify what you're saying. For me, when I found out about the dangers of ultrasound, when I took a deep dive into it, 
The thing that caused me to realize that there's a serious problem here was that even according to the scientific literature, it appears as though multiple ultrasounds correlate with the baby being born smaller. And not because, oh, there's a problem with the baby, so they give it more ultrasounds. No, this is in randomized trials, which is to say that there's nothing apparently wrong with either group of baby. But if you take a group that receives one ultrasound versus a group that receives multiple ultrasounds, that second group seems to be born, on average, a little bit smaller. And when I found this out, I thought, well, there's only one explanation for that. These so-called ultrasounds are not sound. So there's a whole range of studies that we can point to. But let me just, for the benefit of the listeners, let me just read out some of one. This is from a 1993 study. And by the way, before I get to that, I was programmed to believe, just like we all are, that this thing that's going into the mother's womb is sound. That's what we're programmed to believe. And if it's, and it's safe. And so if it's sound and it's safe, then there should be no difference between babies who receive one ultrasound and babies who receive multiple. There should be no physiological difference. If there's a physiological difference, then this is not some kind of safe sound. It doesn't take a, a genius to work this out. So before you go further, let me just read this out for listeners who are thinking, well, Janice and JLB, they're talking about the dangers, but what's the evidence? Here is some official scientific literature from 1993. And the reason why I'm using a 1993 study is because I've struggled to find anything like this from the last 20 years. Maybe Janice has other studies that she can point us to, but when I was trying to find studies on this, I could barely find any. This is from 93. This is called, and I'll link to this in the show notes. This is called Effects of Frequent Ultrasound During Pregnancy, a Randomized Controlled Trial by John Noonan, Sharon Evans, Con Michael, Fiona Stanley, and Louis Landau. And all I'll do is I'll just read out the summary. It says this, Despite widespread application of ultrasound imaging and Doppler blood flow studies, the effects of their frequent and repeated use in pregnancy have not been evaluated in controlled trials. From 2,834 women with single pregnancies at 16 to 20 weeks gestation, 1,415, so about half, were selected at random to receive ultrasound imaging and continuous wave Doppler flow studies at 18, 24, 28, 34, and 38 weeks gestation. That were the intensive group. And 1,419, so again about half, would receive single ultrasound imaging at 18 weeks, the regular group. So in other words, they're randomly choosing half of these women to receive multiple ultrasounds, and they're choosing half by random to just receive one ultrasound. The outcome data was obtained from 99% of women who entered the study. The only difference between the two groups was significantly higher intrauterine growth restriction in the intensive group when expressed both as birth weight in the bottom 10th percentile and birth weight in the bottom 3rd centile. And then it lists the relative uh, confidence intervals. Then it says, while it is possible that this finding was a chance effect, it is also plausible that frequent exposure to ultrasound may have influenced fetal growth. Repeated prenatal ultrasound imaging and Doppler flow exhibit examinations should be restricted to those women to whom the information is likely to be of clinical benefit. So thank you for bearing with me on that. So that's just a summary. I've gone through the entire study and looked at the data for myself. I'm not just going by the study, by the summary rather. And what they found is that that intensive group, the babies who received multiple ultrasounds, they came out smaller. Now it's only by a few grams, but it's over a big enough sample size that leads to the inference that the only difference between these groups 
is the ultrasound, the multiple ultrasounds. And if the babies are coming out smaller, that should be enough to cause you to think that maybe something's going on. And not just that. When I looked at this study, Janice, I found that according to their own tables, those babies who were given multiple ultrasounds, the difference to those babies compared to the control group was greater than for smoking mothers. So everybody's heard about how, oh, if the mother smokes, the baby comes out smaller. Right? That's what they say. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. But according to this 1993 study, the babies who were given multiple ultrasounds, there was a greater chance that they would come out in a below birth weight than smoking mothers. Can you believe that? They have known about this. The FDA did a study in 1990, in the early 90s. They, they studied over 2,000 children in Colorado that had been exposed to ultrasound, and they found that the children that were exposed were low birth weight, right? They experienced intrauterine growth retardation. So what did the FDA do with this information? They turned around and they raised the allowable output limits on the ultrasound machines at least eightfold. Some people say it was 15-fold, so that after 1993, the children that came in were exposed to 8 to 15 times more radiation than the children who had been exposed prior to that time. Okay, not only that, but between 1993 and 1999, in six years, the use of ultrasound went up 73%. So they raised the, uh, the radiation output limits and multiplied the exposure to the babies extensively. If that is not an indication that they have worked to deliberately cause harm, I don't know what is. They have known since the 1950s that this technology causes infertility. And that is why we have so many infertile young adults right now. Because the radiation is causing infertility. The radiation is causing low birth weight, growth retardation. It's causing such severe things like microcephaly because it's melting the flipping bones. That's how much heat gets created, especially with Doppler, with Doppler radiation, which is ultrasound, but it's pulsed, pulsed, pulsed. The heating is extensive. And then they say microcephaly is caused by a virus. This is baloney. They blame all of the damage that they're doing with radiation on viruses. And this has been going on for a 100 years, John. They have been covering up the damage that they are doing with these technologies for a 100 years or more. And this is well documented in my book. They've known since the get-go from the beginning of ultrasound creation, that it can create even more intense effects than ionizing radiation. Why? Because we're working with both electromagnetic radiation and acoustic radiation. This is a double assault. It is multiplying the damage that is possible. And the longer that you allow a technician to hold that wand, near your baby's brain or your baby's genitals, all right, the more damage it's going to do. The more exposure, the more likely you're going to have a damaged kid. And then they're going to say, oh, well, you know, you were high risk to begin with, so it's all your fault. 
that there's something wrong with your baby. Instead of the fact that what they're doing to the high-risk women, the people they put in high-risk, is the problem. It is the problem. If I could read off, you know, you talked about a study that showed it's causing low birth weight. Okay, here's another one. A large randomized control trial of 9,000 women, they divided these up into women that were scanned at 16 to 20 weeks compared to those who were not. Okay? It revealed 20 miscarriages after 16 to 20 weeks in the screened group and none in the controls. So it's causing miscarriage. It's causing fetal death. It's causing low birth weight. It's causing overheating. It's causing infertility. The list goes on. There's another study of 12,046 women having Doppler ultrasound who were more likely to lose their babies than those in in the controlled group. And then it says routine ultrasound does nothing to reduce the number of perinatal deaths. On the contrary, it's causing perinatal deaths. Well, I want to come back to that because the typical response is, oh, but they need to do the ultrasound to check on the safety of the baby. And as you and I both know, it doesn't help the baby at all. We'll come back to that. Let's go back to the birth weight thing, though. So I mentioned this study from 1993, which, again, I'll link to in the show notes below. That was from the early 90s. So that was about 30 years ago. Now, Janice, based on your research and based on what they fully admit in their own literature, what has happened to the power output of these so-called ultrasound devices in the 30 years since then? That I don't know. All I know is in the 90s, they did a massive um, a massive change in what, what, what they're allowing babies to be exposed to. And beyond that, I don't know what they've done. I haven't found any additional research about that. Based on my research, I, I believe that, I the power that output the, has gone up a hundred and possibly more than a hundred times. Possible. And if we look at our lives as any example, okay, when you look at what's happening with the cell phones, for example, and the cell towers, because this is all interconnected, this is all part of the same agenda of genocide. Okay, we can see over the past 20 or 30 years the increase in the radiation that people are being exposed to. Who now living by cell towers, you know, bringing cell towers into their house in the form of Wi-Fi routers and cell phones. And the amount of radiation is ex- extensive and increasing constantly. This is like frogs in a boiling pot. You know, when they call our country a melting pot, they're not kidding, man, because they are irradiating us to death. And many people are dying and they don't know that it's the radiation that's causing their deaths or their illnesses. And that includes those who got the COVID jab because they are being injected with a wireless operating system and they have become walking wireless devices. How long can they live with this kind of exposure to radiation when it's inside of them? Well, we can come back to the vaccine thing later because that's a specific topic. With the ultrasounds, here's my logic, Janice. If, according to the scientific literature, multiple ultrasounds versus single ultrasound, because that was a study, they didn't have a control group of no ultrasounds, they just had one versus multiple. If the multiple group are coming out smaller, and this is a huge sample size, it's not some accident, and that was back in the 90s, and since then, ultrasound output has, the power of these devices has gone up significantly, if that's the case, and it looks obviously the case, compare ultrasounds from the early 90s to what they're doing today. Today, they're doing these so-called 4D ultrasounds, so it just stands to reason, of course, they're more powerful, but I found evidence they fully admit that. Then 
whatever effect these things were having on the babies in the 90s that was showing up in that first study I mentioned, we can only imagine what's going on with the babies today. But the problem is, I haven't been able to find any controlled studies from the last 20 years concerning the ultrasounds and the effects it has on the babies. I haven't found any from the last 20 years. There are plenty of studies, like I said, that are showing these effects, various effects on the babies. Many of them are in my book. And when I, write, when I wrote the book, I don't just put a little citation. I actually take the words out of the study and put it right in the book. Here is what this study is saying. Here is what this is doing to our babies. This technology is causing massive harm, massive brain damage, massive uh, genetic damage, massive uh, birth defects, especially in the genitals because they got that wand there pretending that they're looking to discover the sex. I mean it's, specifically it's a, to do with the, the birth weight. So are you aware of any studies that look at uh, two groups, like a control group and then an intensive group, that look at the birth weight following? Yeah. I wasn't able to find any. And this, this should be something that is studied a lot all over the world. You would think they'd be studying this all over the world. It's not a hard study to do. They probably are. But they're not making the studies accessible to people. You better believe they know what they're doing. Oh, they I think absolutely they do. Know. Oh, I oh think they, they absolutely do. know. I think the ones at the uh, top they, know. But I think, oh, yeah. like, the, the operator at your local ultrasound. They're clearly. Like, you know, in America, <laughs> I read about this. They have keepsake ultrasound places in um, a shopping center where the operator is, this is a business that's operating purely for what you might call, um, recreational purposes it's not to do with clinical assistance for the baby it's quite literally people go in there to have ultrasound parties now i don't know if that's true but this is what i have this is what i've read that people have ultrasound clinics that are for the amusement effectively of the parents now i think well, i think those people have no idea what they're doing but i think right, the people but at the top are going to be so amused when they end up with an autistic child or a child with a variety of neurodevelopmental disabilities. They're not going to be amused. Their lives, the lives of these children are forever altered as a result of what we have allowed them to be exposed to. And this concerns our entire future. And it's not just low birth weight. All right. Low birth weight is an issue. The children are coming in smaller because they are being irradiated. The babies can also do the opposite thing. They can try to make themselves bigger and, you know, develop something called like macro set where they have bigger heads and stuff like this to try to protect their bodies from the radiation. It all depends on how the baby's body, what the baby's body is doing to try to compensate for the damage that's been inflicted. But this technology, I mean, we have children that are born with various facial deformities which I've written about in my book, and you can take a glance through my book and see some of the pictures of, of, of these children who have been so severely damaged because of the radiation literally melting the bones of the head. So their ears are deformed, their cheekbones, their forehead, everything, they're just deformed. And we know radiation does this. We should know this without having to go and have to find, you know, 200 studies to figure out what the problem is. It's, I mean, it's really, it's so clear what the problem is. It's the radiation. 
we have to stop irradiating developing babies. See, but the medical establishment, they were exposed for the x-ray damage they were doing. This is in the 1960s. And so then, then they moved to ultrasound. And then they lied and said ultrasound isn't radiation. They do not want to give up being able to surveil babies in the womb. And if they can hurt the babies along the way, all the better. Really, in their minds, all the better. So there might be people, people listening, no Janice, and they'll say, oh, but maybe there's some dangers. Maybe there's some dangers. But we need to ultrasound the babies to find out if they're okay. We need to just make sure they're okay. What would you say to people who tell you that? I would say for thousands of years, women have been giving birth to children successfully. It is only in the last little bit of time with the introduction of technological birth that our children are more damaged than they have ever been in all of history. I would also say to check on things like the heartbeat, midwives have known for centuries to use a very simple device called a fetoscope. It's a little wooden device that you can put to the stomach and listen, and you can hear the baby's heart rate. Midwives also used to have skill with palpating the womb to determine the position of the baby. Where is the head? Where are the feet? Is the baby engaged, ready to be born? Midwives used to have skills that did not require the use of technology to give birth to a healthy child. In fact, at this time, the United States has the highest rate of fetal death, fetal and perinatal death right after birth than any other industrialized country in the world. Not just babies, but mothers too are dying in droves thanks to technological interference in the birth process. If you expose your baby to this technology, you are almost guaranteeing that your child will be altered, not in the image of the divine. Genetically altered is almost a guarantee. One exposure to ultrasound, according to a 1980 study, produced the same damage as that caused by 250 chest x-rays. Okay, a single exposure. And that was in the 80s before they pumped up the radiation output. So you're not doing anything to protect your baby. If someone said to me, oh, but you need to do the ultrasounds because you need to check on the baby, I would say, and then what? Let's just say they find a defect. Let's just say they do. Then what? See, most people think, oh, well, then they can do something to help the baby, right? That's what they think. That's what I used to think. Okay, what? What are they going to do? What are they going to do? So this is the process I went through when I was looking into this. I was like, okay, what is the scientific evidence that when they detect an abnormality, that it leads to better outcomes for the baby? And guess what? I couldn't find any scientific evidence to suggest that. So in other words, what I'm saying is, I thought, well, how about this? How about I look into... Maybe they've got a study where they've looked at, say for argument's sake, a hundred babies who've been detected to have a heart abnormality for argument's sake. And they split that into two groups, 50 and 50. Uh, with one group, there is no treatment performed. Let's look at the outcomes for those babies, the mortality, etc. And then for the other group, they perform some kind of procedure, some kind of intervention, 
and look at the mortality. And whatever the intervention is, those babies who are intervened with must have better outcomes. Otherwise, why would you do it? I found nothing. No studies whatsoever suggesting that the babies who are detected to have an abnormality end up better off having been detected. None. In fact, it's the opposite because oftentimes the parents are recommended to abort the baby. So in in terms of the baby's outcome, the baby is more likely to end up dead from getting these ultrasounds, even if the ultrasound isn't in and of itself harmful, just from what the the so-called experts detect from the ultrasound. From the baby's perspective, it is more likely to end up dead. And there is no evidence whatsoever that even if they detect an abnormality, that that ends up good for the baby. None. Zero. And it's usually a false positive, okay, because a lot of these tests that they're doing and the ultrasound says, oh, there's something wrong, okay, the baby comes out fine. There's nothing wrong with the baby. So the ultrasound is giving out false positives. And, you know, there's a lot of women and moms and dads choosing to kill their babies. On That's false the only medical establishment is going to give you if they find a, a damaged child, you know, through ultrasound. They're going to give you the option to kill your baby. The other option might be to do surgery on your baby while it's developing in the womb. Yeah, and what's the evidence if they do that, if they intervene? This is what I'm saying. If they intervene, what is the scientific evidence that this is going to lead to better outcomes than leaving the baby alone? There is none. That's right. And again, repeatedly, study after study after study has shown this has no benefit to, to, to fetal outcome. Zero. This technology has zero benefit. This is all documented in my book. I've documented at least a half a dozen studies that said not just ultrasound scans, but also Doppler fetal heart monitors. They have no benefit. They are only causing harm. This, these are the facts. These are the documented facts, which I've written about extensively with citations to back up what I am saying today. This technology provides no benefit except to those who are seeking to harm our children. I agree with you completely. And there's a couple of points I want to touch on in this first hour of the chat when we have the, the biggest audience possible here. So when I was going through your book and going through the citations, the main chapter I focused on was to do with this birth weight thing. Because like I said, for me, a few years ago, that was a smoking gun for me. If the baby's weight appears to be affected by the so-called ultrasound, this is not as harmless as we've been led to believe. And that's when I started going down the rabbit hole. So when I was checking the references from your book, I found this, one of the things that you linked to was a a 1980s CNN segment, I think 1983, and it featured a couple of doctors. I've got their names written down here, actually. Dr. Arthur Bloom, who was a geneticist at Columbia University, and Dr. Doreen Liebeskind, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly, a radiologist at Albert Einstein College of Medicine. What I'm going to do for the listeners at home, I'm going to edit in right here just a couple of clips. It's a nine-minute CNN clip, but I'm just going to edit in just a few minutes so the audience can hear what these guys said. Before I do, though, do you remember the clip I'm talking about, the CNN clip? This is from... Oh, yeah. And I've quoted it extensively in my book. Yes, it's a very important video. Yeah. So these were experts, and this was on the mainstream media back in the 1980s. Now, they didn't say in this clip that this radiation is going to harm the babies or cause uh, genetic defects. They didn't go that far. In fact, they didn't even say that they recommend that nobody gets ultrasounds. But what they did say was that they had some concerns, 
And this was back in the 1980s. Because CNN was only uh, launched, I think, in 1980. So at the time, it was still a new uh, news network. And this was 40 years ago, before the propaganda had become as extreme as it is today. Back then, it appears there was still at least some investigative reporting. And in this news segment, what I'll do is I'll let you get the final word before I edit in the clip. Tell the listeners, Janice, what are they about to listen to? What's this CNN clip? What do they say? What they're saying is the FDA did the study that I mentioned of Colorado babies. And uh, they found that the babies have low birth weight. Doreen Liebeskind is the, is the scientist that did the study and found that one exposure to ultrasound has the same, produces the same damage as 250 x-rays. These are people that knew very well that the technology was causing harm. Some scientists and government officials are concerned that it may be dangerous over the long term. They fear ultrasound is grossly overused on pregnant women, may harm the fetus, and should be limited until they find out whether their suspicions are true. Here's what they say may be the problem. Genetic damage to the fetus that could persist for generations, possibly cancer, and subtle birth defects that might not show up for years. But potentially it can produce damage to the genetic material, and some of these early studies are suggesting that there is in fact damage induced by diagnostic levels of ultrasound in human and uh, little rodent cells. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So our concern is growing. Dr. Arthur Bloom is a renowned geneticist at Columbia University and an expert on radiation. If it becomes established that ultrasound is in fact a mutagen, it would also, and most importantly perhaps, or at least equally as important, raise the question as to whether or not it is a cancer-causing agent, because a very high percentage of agents that are mutagenic are also carcinogenic. I'm not suggesting on the basis of the evidence that there is a major effect of ultrasound in terms of doubling the rate of birth defects or anything of the sort. We're simply saying that there may be a low-level effect there that's increasing the rate of congenital malformations uh, that we may never be able to detect on clinical grounds. Dr. Bloom and other experts stress that so far they have no evidence ultrasound radiation causes harm in human fetuses. But they say we should avoid routine ultrasound examination because we're beginning to see signs of danger. Warning signs that in the past predicted medical disaster. One early warning sign is genetic damage to cells and test tubes. We're now seeing this for the first time from low levels of ultrasound. Next, harm to laboratory animals. This too is showing up. Another clue is evidence in humans that something may be wrong. Now, a new government study, not yet released, does indicate that the unborn exposed to ultrasound weigh less at birth. That's a significant signal, experts say, that ultrasound may interfere with normal development. The one thing scientists do not suggest they're finding is blatant deformities of the type caused by potent drugs like thalidomide. We do not detect any congenital malformations after ultrasound, so whatever we're doing, we're doing something extremely subtle with anything at all. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is that you detect no overt signs of malformations the way we think of them as deformed limbs or a missing foot or uh... missing organs. The main researcher who has triggered new concern about ultrasound is Dr. Doreen Liebeskind, a radiologist at Albert Einstein College of Medicine. She exposes animal and human cells to ultrasound waves. She finds abnormal changes 
in the way the cells look and behave. She won't say the cells are genetically damaged, but she does say the changes look the same as damage caused to cells by 29 rads of ionizing radiation or x-rays. That's the equivalent of about 250 chest x-rays. Here's how normal cells look without ultrasound, growing apart from each other in neat rows. Here's how they look after ultrasound, a tangled mass growing wildly all over each other. Here are other normal cells in motion, with smooth edges moving in a clear direction. After ultrasound, 100% of them become phonetic and distorted. Things are happening. They're happening to the DNA of these cells. They're happening to the behavior. They're beginning to grow in a funny way. They're beginning to behave in, a, in an aberrant fashion. Uh, and in some cases, they're becoming tumor cells. There are some long-lived effects on the DNA of the cells, on the behavior of the cells, and on the cell growth that persists for many, many generations after a single exposure. Uh, as I recall, in uh, your papers, you were showing that you had effects after 10 generations. Yes, and even longer than that. Dr. Bloom says it looks as if ultrasound causes genetic mutations. If a chemical were doing that, we would call that a mutagen. Government officials are well aware of and also concerned about Dr. Liebeskin's findings. Food and Drug Administration officials candidly admit they cannot say diagnostic ultrasound during pregnancy is safe. No, I don't think FDA can say. I don't think anybody can say that ultrasound is absolutely safe. So that was a clip from CNN. That's just a few minutes, but you can see the full clip. I've put a link to that in the info box in the show notes below. I hadn't seen that clip before I read your book, Janice. And I saw it was one of the citations, and I was going through your citations one by one. And then when I clicked on that YouTube clip, I was expecting it to have been removed by YouTube because you published that book mm -hmm. a few years ago. You know how YouTube mm -hmm. removes a lot of material. I clicked on the oh, link, because yeah. I've got the PDF version of your book, I clicked the link expecting to go to a, this video doesn't exist. But to my pleasant surprise, the video is still there. Yeah. It's been up there for about 10 years. And there it is on CNN back in the early 1980s, apparently. They've got experts, not people like me. They've got doctors. They've got radiologists. They've got people telling you, we've got some concerns about this technology. The video is actually from 1990s, the early 90s. Um, and they, they were quoting Doreen Liebeskin's research from the 1980s. But the video came out after the FDA did its study and found low birth weight. Well, I thought the video was from 93 as well. But you know who left a comment yeah. on that video? Jim West. And what Jim West wrote was that the clip originally aired on CNN in the early 80s. And then another lady had taken that clip and added her own prefix, I guess, at the, at the beginning. So... I think that the official date of the air date might be in dispute. Of course, you know Jim West. Jim West has written books about ultrasound as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know about that because there was information in there about the 1990 study that the FDA did. So um, I don't know how the video could have been produced before that time. I, I unless they added it's a, like a medley because I think basically it's a yeah, nine-minute video. Yeah. I think maybe six or seven minutes is a CNN clip. And then there's some additions on either side by the uploader. Because it was no. uploaded, I've got it on my screen here, by Dr. Carol Phillips. Are you familiar with her work? No, not really. No, me either. So she's the one who uploaded the clip. And then it says here that Jim West has left a, a comment. It says, apparently credits read 1983 for this. It is mainly a CNN production by Jean Carper. In 1985, Doris Hare wraps the film with her intro and fine ending 
with her reference to her 1984 article. Much of this film is about a 1981 human cell study by Doreen Lieberskind using very low ultrasound intensities. So, again, I'm not sure about the exact upload date of that. But in any event, that was on CN- That was on mainstream media. I don't really want to split hairs about it. The, what, what's in that video is critically important. So just watch the video. You're going to get a, a hand, uh, you know, you're going to get a, a total mouthful of information from watching that video. Um, and that, so they've known for 30 years what's in that video. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so do you think they could ever put something like that on the mainstream media today? Do you think you could turn on CNN or Fox News do you think they would ever report something like that in this day and age? The creatures that control the media are the same creatures that control the medical establishment um, and our government and various other institutions, including the financial uh, industry, the banking system. And they are the ones who are determined to destroy us. And so, no, you know, usually they don't come right out and tell you that they're trying to kill you and your children. <laughs> Um, they usually try to pre- present things in the in the format of this is going to be beneficial for you. You know, it's all sorcery. It's all smoke and mirrors, and there's a lot of sorcery behind all of it. So to lure people in, and people are hypnotized by the television, by the media, okay, by the drugs that they're taking through the pharmaceutical industry, they have they're altered in their thinking and they and not to you know not the least of which mind control technology is the wireless the wireless grid pumping these frequencies so people comply they've been entrained through the frequencies through the tv to believe what they're seeing on the screen and no we're not going to be told on television what the facts are. And when somebody comes around and starts telling the facts, they're going to be banned, censored, shamed. If that doesn't work, their personal, you know, integrity will be attacked. There's an MO that these creatures follow to undermine anybody that is challenging what they want people to believe. Well, what blew me away when I watched that clip, and again, I followed one of your citations. That's how I found that clip in the first place. What blew me away was, I don't think we see anything like that on TV today. And so for a comparison, during the whole coronavirus vaccine thing that was going on, I don't recall any of the mainstream news outlets having on a couple of experts saying, hey, we need to question this stuff and giving their reasons why and showing them as legitimate experts, as in giving the other side a chance. I don't remember that happening at all. So I think what's happened is over the last 30 or 40 years, I'm sure even back then the media was controlled, but it seems to me to be far more controlled and far more, uh, what's the word, um, taking one side. I'm trying to think of the right word for that. The way it is now, I think, is even worse than it was back then, is what I'm trying to say. Much, much. And it's, it's even worse because, I mean, they literally kill people. They killed Rashid Buttar, Dr. Rashid Buttar. He was a very, very outspoken doctor about the harm that the COVID vaccine was doing, and he's dead. And he was a powerful man. They just kill people to shut them up. <laughs> it's unbelievable what's happening, but this is really happening. 
Can you tell us more about that? This this is um, a person I'm not really familiar with. So who was this individual who was killed? Dr. Rashid Buttar, B-U-T-T-A-R. He has been um, on the on the leading edge of exposing the dangers of the COVID vaccine and the harm that it is doing. He's been outspoken for a number of years, even prior to COVID. All right, but just before his death, um, he was talking about the fact that he had been poisoned after a CNN interview, interestingly enough. CNN interviewed him and tried to shame him and um, do all of these things to him, you know, to make it sound like the information he was sharing was not true. Um, and then he was poisoned. Uh, obviously, he got better after that. He said he had received something like a 200 times more powerful dose than what was in the COVID vaccine, and he developed all kinds of myocarditis and, you know, the problems that the COVID people, the people who have been jabbed are having, all of these heart problems. He had them and ended up in ICU for a couple of weeks, and then he recovered, um, and then he just died. He just died. This just happened last week. Yeah, I'm just looking at his Wikipedia page. You're doing some research on the fly. So according to Wikipedia, Rashid Buttar was an American, this is what they're saying, an American conspiracy theorist, anti-vaxxer, <laughs> and licensed osteopathic <laughs> physician. It says that he had twice been reprimanded by the North Carolina Board of Medical Examiners for unprofessional conduct and by the US FDA for illegal marketing of unapproved and unadulterated drugs. That's the introduction for his Wikipedia page. An analysis yep. found that Buttar was one of the top 12 individual and organization accounts producing up to 65% of all anti-vaccine content on Twitter and Facebook. So probably a lot of the listeners are saying, JLB, how come you don't know about this guy? I didn't really follow any of the anti-vax stuff because my logic was I'm not taking it. I don't need other people to tell me why it's bad. I'm just not taking it. It wasn't because I was an anti-vaxxer. It was because I didn't want to take it. I didn't see the benefit of it. So that was it. I didn't really follow any of the anti-vax stuff uh, very closely. So that's why I'm not familiar with this um, Rashid Buttar character. But I you- didn't really, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really follow the anti-vax stuff either. But when Sire G from Green Med Info sent out, he sent out an email that said something about Rashid Buttar has died. That really got my attention. I was like, shit, man, they got another one. They took another doctor out, you know? And um, there was subsequently multiple articles written by various people about the way that he died. We just have to understand what we're up against, you know? That's that's the deal. The, the, when I say what we're up against, how determined these people are. I call them creatures. How determined these creatures are. Well, later in the call, I want to come back and talk with you in more depth about the creatures. In this first hour, there was one more thing I wanted to get your take on. So when I was going through the citations in your book, I found my way. One of the things that you cited was this page by the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists. So these are not a conspiracy group. These are not anti-obstetrics or anti-hospital group. This is an official group. And they released a paper talking about, among other things the education of ultrasound operators. And he, one of the things that stood out to me, because you were citing it to do with something different, but I decided to read the whole paper anyway. And one of the things that stood out to me was, let me read this to you, all right? And let me, let me get your take on this. 
it reads, and I'll link to this in the show notes for listeners to go and check. It says this, teaching of the safety principles is part of the training of sonographers and medical practitioners undertaking ultrasound diagnosis. Okay, so, so far, so good. Very detailed but relevant information is provided in the manuals of modern ultrasound machines. However, these are rarely read. Knowledge of the ODS among users is poor, as demonstrated in studies using anonymous questionnaires distributed to European and American experts in obstetric ultrasound. In the two studies, comprising 199 and 130 users respectively, only 30% of participants were familiar with the terms TI and MI. Moreover, only 20% knew how to adjust the energy output on their own ultrasound machine. Now, in case the listeners, I lost them at some point there, what they're saying is that these basic safety indices, okay, TI and MI, only 30% of the experts using these machines in these studies knew what they even meant. Only 20% knew how to adjust the energy output on the ultrasound machines that they were using. I wrote about this in the ultrasound book. The physiotherapists do not know what they're dealing with. In fact, many of them have miscarriages. They don't even know that ultrasound is radiation, much less how to work the machines properly and to lower the radiation levels on their end. Yeah, and so for those who might be curious, TI is the thermal index. Thermal index, the heat. Well, you know this, and then MI is the mechanical index, and these are the two basic safety indices of these machines. So in other words, Mm -hmm. the thermal index, what power level is going to lead to what level of increase of the, the temperature of the tissue, and then the mechanical index is to do with the depth of the wave. Basically, if I'm just trying to boil it down, right? I'm no expert on these things, but I read about it in this paper, and it makes sense to me. It makes perfect sense to me, just from reading this paper. The thermal index is to do with how much energy is output, which is going to raise the temperature of the body. The mechanical index is to do with the depths of the waves that are being beamed, and how much that leads to cavitation, basically. Apparently, yep. only 30% of the experts who use these devices understand that, or had even heard of this stuff. And then only 20% even know how to adjust the energy output of their own ultrasound devices. And this is coming from the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists. Also a story in my book from a woman who um, is positive that the the ultrasound technician killed her baby by leaving the, the wand too long. It's a very powerful story and people should be aware because you can direct the ultrasound technician. <laughs> they don't know much. They're not being trained properly at all. In any event, this technology should be banned from obstetrics right now without further ado. It never should have been introduced. And that's the point. You know, that's the bottom line. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to lower the heat. Women are told not to get in hot tubs, right? Because heating can cause neural tube defects, all kinds of problems. So don't get in a hot tub. Don't take baths that are too hot. But here, we're going to expose you to a technology that we know raises the temperature, you know, in some cases, hotter than the temperature of the sun when we're talking about cavitation, when we're talking about those bubbles imploding, okay? There's severe heating effects that are occurring, through Doppler especially. So what a contradiction to tell a woman not to get in a hot tub when you're willing to cause this, to expose them to this kind of radiation heat 
and this kind of radiation force that is absolutely destroying cells at the very least. I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. So in this first hour of the call, we've gone through just a few... Th- I mean, there's so much to cover, and your books do a much better job of covering it than we can in the, the space of an interview. But in this first hour, we've gone through the idea that babies who were given multiple ultrasounds tend to turn out smaller in terms of their birth weight. The experts who are using these devices don't even seem to be familiar with the most basic concepts, don't even know how to adjust the power. And these ideas that we're talking about these are not crazy fringe ideas. They were covered in the mainstream 40 years ago. So those are some of the things that we've covered in this first hour. In the second hour, I'd love to go into more detail with you about who you think these creatures are because I know that you have some views that uh, some people find very controversial, but I, for one, am very open-minded too. So I want to talk about that. And then putting ultrasound aside, I want to talk about some of these other issues to do with things like cesarean section. Okay, so when I listened to your interview, the one with uh, Charles Giuliani... I think one of the reasons why it hit me so hard was because I was born cesarean section and I had never heard someone suggest some of the things that you suggested about what cesarean section really is, why they really do it, and the long-term effects for children. So I want to talk with you about cesarean section, these um, induced labor, which is not really labor, it's fake, what they do with the baby immediately after it's born, and what you think the agenda really is behind all of this. Those are some of the things I want to talk about with you in the second hour. But for the first hour, for the listeners who are just here for this first part of the call, tell them more about birthofanewearth.com. Tell them about your books and anything else you want to say for this first part of the interview. Um, So my website, birthofanewearth.com. I also have a second website called radiationdangers.com. My ultrasound book is called The Dark Side of Prenatal Ultrasound. You can only get my books on my website from me. You have to go to my website at birthofanewearth.com and order my books because my books have been banned. Um, obviously, <laughs> I don't have any social media because I've been censored and blocked and kicked off and you name it. So you have to go to my website to get my books. I am having a webinar on the 20th of June about the autism epidemic and what's really causing it. And we're going to be going deep into different pieces of what the medical establishment is doing that is almost ensuring that our child will, our children will be neurodevelopmentally damaged. We need to understand what we are up against. And it's great. We're going to be talking about that in the second hour. Well, guys, I'll put links to everything relevant in the show notes below. So go and check that out. Thanks once again to Janice. We'll be back for the second hour in just a moment. You've been listening to Bonversations. Find more episodes at johnlebon.com. We appreciate and thank all of the supporters who make this possible. Now have yourself a lovely day. It wasn't a tent. It was this magnificent... Now, a new government study, not yet released, does indicate that the unborn exposed to ultrasound weigh less at birth. That's a significant signal, experts say, that ultrasound may interfere with normal development. Weigh less at birth. Weigh less at birth. How dare you!